Welcome to Out of Rotation, volleyball talk for players, coaches, and fans. Presented by the American Volleyball Network. Here's your host, Dan Meskin. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My guest today, Louisville legend, Tori Dilfer-Stringer. Now, Tori's got an amazing origin story. She had a great club career. She grew up on the West Coast. Her family has since moved a few times. She went to TCU, transferred to Louisville, and was probably one of the most impactful transfers in the history of NCAA volleyball. She took Louisville in her first year to the program's first ever Elite Eight, an unseeded team beating number two Texas on their home floor. And then the very next year, we go undefeated in the regular season. She brings Louisville to our very first Final Four ever. So those stories are amazing, and there's so much to unpack there. But we fast forward through all of that, and we pick up right after the last ball dropped in her Louisville career. She becomes a volunteer coach with us at Louisville for just a brief stint, and then she hops around in a few different professional volleyball stops. She spends some time in the USA gym, but at the end of the day, it's brought her to this opportunity with Real Pro. Now, this is a two-part episode, and in this first episode, we're going to find out that journey that she has to becoming a Real Pro. You guys had the young setters. It was like a turnover. Like, me and Rachel leave. And so then it's like these two young setters, one that had just gotten there. And I was like, I know I can be of assistance because like that was me a couple of years ago. Yeah. And like, I obviously had Danny to, I mean, she was so pivotal, obviously, obviously, but I'm like, wow, if they could get like two sets of eyes, I just felt like that was kind of like, I wanted to pay it forward. You know, like I have felt so lucky to get the, just like the support that I had at my time at Louisville. And I was like, if I can pay this forward even a little bit and make sure these two setters are ready for next season, like I want to do it. So that honestly played a big part in it. And then it just kind of, you know, led into just being like, you know what, this is where I'm going to be at. And when opportunities come up, I'll take them when it's the right one. But I just wasn't ready to like make a decision to go overseas yet. Well, the crazy thing too, is it was like a day in and we were all like, okay, Tori has to coach. But if we look at from then till now, it feels like a lifetime ago because yeah. You've had you've had like what most people would have like a pro career in like seven years. You've had in like two. So from there, yeah. let's, I want to go through all of this just to get this all in. It's un- it's crazy. So from there, your first opportunity is with AU Pro. So I remember we kind of yep. lost you kind of during the spring a little bit because mm-hmm. AU Pro there was an opportunity there. So for people who are like aspiring professional volleyball players, like what's that process like? Of, I mean, you had to pretty much be ready like on a dime to be like, yeah, I can pop out there yeah. and play. Yeah, I remember I got a text right as I got on a plane from seeing my then boyfriend, now husband, and it was like, hey, we had a spot open up for a setter, like, would you come play? And I was like, when? They're like, next Sunday, and it was Sunday. Like, so it was a week from that day, and I was like, sure, I'll move to Dallas for, what was it, seven weeks and play and have no idea even who else, what other setters had signed that year yet. Like, I paid attention a little bit, but they didn't announce a ton of people online, so I was like, Sure. So I go into it completely blind and just being like, I'm going to make the most of it. And it obviously was such a different experience. And I played such a different role than I ever had, but it was awesome. Like I loved it. And I was thankful that it was my first opportunity because I got to one, meet a lot of people that had been playing pro for so long. Like the other setters that were there, I was like, how lucky am I? I'm one playing with slash against my childhood idol and Carly Lloyd. I'm watching Alicia Glass Childress play. Um, Natala Valentin Anderson, Nutsara Tomcom, like 
just I'm like, what the heck? Like I'm a 22 year old at the time getting to play with play with and against and learn from all these setters. It was so crazy. So of all, of all those setters, I mean, you named some of the some of the greats. Like, what's one big takeaway? You were like, okay, they're five, they're ten years ahead of me, and like, yeah. wow, I thought I was pretty good coming out of college, but I want to aspire to do this or I love that they're doing this. I want to add this to my game. What's what's one takeaway from those amazing setters you were around? Yeah. Um, I felt like the one that I probably spent the most time with and talking to was Natalia Valentin Anderson. And I loved that she was even like, I've always been told I'm undersized, but she's really undersized. I mean, the girl's like pushing five, seven <laughs> and, but she plays big and you know, that's never, nobody's ever been able to use that against her because she does everything else so well. And she doesn't try to be what I loved about her. She didn't try to be, she didn't try to play like a big setter. You know, she played like her. She was just the best version of herself. Yeah. And that really encouraged me that like, I don't need to try to be the next so-and-so I need to like, my goal is to be the best version of me. And I can take pieces of other people's game. And I took a lot from her about like, we, I vividly remember talking about like super, a super high pass or a dig. And I, felt like I was almost getting the yips sometimes with those balls. I was like, my hands get hard and I just, <laughs> it's not pretty. Even if I don't double, it's just, it sucks. It's awful. And I talked to her about it and she's like, I literally count in my head, like one, two, three, as you're waiting for it, just to honestly distract yourself from the thought of even having to go set that ball yeah. because you're going to, your body's going to kick in. You know, you've done it for so long. Your body's going to kick in and take over once the ball's in your hand, yeah. but it's like not letting your mind be a distraction in that moment. And distract you just like from the task at hand and letting your body take over. I hadn't heard that before. Um, I like the counting. Yeah, it was cool. And that's actually a big part of like something that I then like have worked on since is like being really good in those situations. And then here, like when you're running the USA fast system, like being able to then turn that super high dig and pass into a tempo ball, that's a whole other level. And that's something that like, I don't know, it'll always be a process, I think, but yeah, that, I think that was one of the things from her, just like she owns who she is and just does the best she can with exactly what she has and plays to her strengths. Love and that. that's kind of like, that was the biggest thing that I think I learned. Super cool. Um, so you talked about, you know, being in the USA gym right now and running that yeah. fast tempo. You're in your second stint with USA. So from AU Pro, a yeah. couple life events, you get engaged during your <laughs> AU Pro right after right after the week after okay and then and then you head out to the usa gym what was the the yep. invite process of that because you know for me as a player like i played in college but i never got that call like i don't know mm -hmm. what i didn't do or who i didn't talk to or how like how does that come about i mean obviously danny knows karch and karch is talking to the yep. top coaches about the top players but at some point you got to do it on your own you're not just getting there on somebody yep. else's opinion uh how did that come about your first stint in the usa gym after that au pro um, yeah, no, it definitely helped because I had at least been in the gym a little bit with college collegiate national team stuff, which was nice, you know, having any foot in the door is always going to help you and just like Karch knowing your name. And he's great about like, he's obviously watching every big time college match when it gets down late into the season. So like he does, he's aware, but he's also focused on the players that are in his gym. You know, he's yeah. not going to think of a college player before he thinks of one of his players. So I remember at AU, um, Danny Drews was the hype that year. She came out, she like left Poland and then is in AU and it's just having an awesome year. And her and I had talked a bunch and I was like, yeah, like, so have you talked to Karch about this summer? And she's like, yeah, I've had like some conversations, whatever. And she's like, have you called him? And I was like, Danny, I'm serve subbing right now in at AU. Like, <laughs> come on, I'm not going to be in the USA gym this summer. She's like, Tori, you need to just give him a call. Like, even if it's just to like check in about 
pro in general. And I was like, okay, maybe. So eventually I do it. Cause I'm just like, whatever, you know, it's, it's worth a shot. And, um, and he actually, he kind he came out to AU for like the first weekend. So we probably talked for a couple minutes because we talked back in January when I told him I wasn't going overseas right away and told him about the shoulder injury, you know, that kind of stuff. And he was like, no, I think that's smart. You know, do your thing. We'll check back in whenever. And I thought that check, the, check back in whenever would be like <laughs> after I play like a real season. But so I ended up calling him or setting up a call with him. And he basically told me, he's like, it's actually great timing, unfortunate timing for somebody else, but great timing because we have one of our Jordan Poulter who had like a smaller knee injury at the end of her season in Italy was going to be ready like midsummer, but wasn't quite like playing sixes yet. So they needed another body in the gym until everybody else was in there. And so he's like, do you want to come on a trial basis? Like really be there until Poulter is ready. And then, you know, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sure. Might as well. Yeah. So come out and I'm just, you know, filling, filling a spot, you know, like just very, just like happy to be here. Kid in the candy store. Like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> and like at some point I'm literally like coming in and playing libero. Cause we had a libero have to leave for something. <laughs> and so I'm like playing some left back again. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is crazy. And, um, and then it just kind of like leads throughout the summer. Karch just kind of is like, we want you to stay for the second half of the summer um, and then compete for a spot on the Pan Am roster. Comes around to the second half of the summer and Pan Am rosters or Pan Am training's going well. And all of a sudden I make the roster. And then two days later, I'm named the starter. And then we go to Pan Am's and we win a bronze medal and a silver medal. So it was so wild, but really cool first experience. And it's, just like, it's crazy because. Yeah. I don't know. I look at the last roster that was shaped for USA and it's like the last roster spot was like intangibles. You know what I mean? Because when you, when you make an Olympic roster, you create one, it does seem like, okay, if if our first string goes down, we're going to have a hard time winning the gold medal. Like we got to have our top. So it's like when you're building the rest of the roster, it's not always like you you never look at the USA gym and it's all the people who touch the highest in the country. Like that wouldn't work. You have to have different pieces that fit. And I don't know, it reminds me too of you coming to Louisville where it was like when we recruited you to Louisville, it wasn't, hey, here's the keys to the kingdom. It's your deal. Yeah. Like you had to grind and get there. You were in a 6'2", yeah. then you weren't playing, then you were in, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, mm-hmm. the amazing career that you had. But it's funny that your USA kind of experience has mimicked that of like you've always had to For grind. Sure. Nothing was ever given to you, which is pretty cool. So, um, but from USA, um, this is a part where me and you have not caught up on. So I'm learning this all yeah. right now. Um, you go to Italy and you, I know you got a Mm -hmm. concussion out there and you know, I've, I've told you once before, like the worst facial I've ever seen was against Texas A&M. You got hit by Holland hands and it was like violent. Um, and you were, I don't know, you were back within like a week. And like, I remember like you wanted to go back in that match. So Italy, you have the next day. Yeah. So it was like, okay. Against Dayton the next day. It was wild. So then, you know, I hear about this concussion thing in Italy and you end up coming back and all that. So take me through a little bit of, okay, heading out to Italy first time in that league and then you know an injury brings you back and then we'll get into Puerto yeah. Rico like you said things happen for a reason I mean the Puerto Rico run was pretty magical but take me through the Italy kind of injury or how that all played out because I really haven't heard that story yeah yeah I actually so I got a super minor concussion right before we started playing in October got just like a regular got got hit in practice probably not harder than normal but kind of in the right spot and like wake up in the middle of the night and throw up you know like I'm I was like crap this is something you know and you know work my way back through that feeling fine and then just nasty collision um and it was actually so it was with stephanie samity who was mm. my opposite on our team we're the only americans on the team and she, there's a tip right over the block i'm playing right back she's playing 
up front and she turns around to take it and I go dive for it. And as we kind of like both miss, her knee whips around and gets me in the oh. jaw. And I like black out for a minute. Um, and I get carried off in like a stretcher in the collar. Jeez, like scary. looked super dramatic. And and like after I laughed about it, I was like, okay, that looks super dramatic. But at the same time, like I did black out. Like, yeah. That was pretty scary. Um, do all the CT scan or not the C sorry, x-rays, MRIs, all the things, like nothing vertebrae wise was messed up, which is like such a blessing. Um, I mean to get carried off in a stretcher, you're automatically thinking like something is gonna yeah. be messed up. Um, but just had like some nasty jaw issues still in dealing with TMJ and stuff, and then a pretty pretty gnarly concussion. Um, and I think just healing from that was really hard. Um, when you're in a foreign country, you're playing in the best league in the world and it's hard, you know, like every day was really hard and felt always was feeling very like, wow, I'm so lucky to see this level of volleyball at this age. It is truly some fantastic volleyball. Um, and just like a lot of Americans were playing in Italy last year, which was awesome. Got to see Stevie, you know, play against her, lost a tough five setter to them. (laughs) Nasty. Everybody calls her Stevie but, now too. Um, you say Stevie, it takes me a second because she was always Steve here, but now she's Stevie. As she's gotten older, she's gotten more of like yeah. a kid nickname, which is funny. She starts saying it. She like introduces herself as Stevie now. It's awesome. We went and got ice cream the other night, and they asked for her name for her order. She's like Stevie. It's like, hilarious. oh, that's so awesome. And this is I I, for context. This is Anna Stevenson. Nickname. If people don't know who we're talking, Anna, Anna Hall. Now, I mean, you talk about a bunch of different names. She was yeah. Anna Stevenson, and she was Steve. Now she's Anna Hall, and she's Stevie. Talk about confusing. Yep. <laughs> super confusing um but yeah so the decision to i think come back and heal up at home was I, it was tough because you're leaving this great league you know you see all the other players like in the usa gym have like had this not not all of them have a straight path but like for the most part they go play in a really good league and then they're back in the usa gym and then they keep getting these better offers you know like you work your way up and so it kind of got to the point where it was like, I felt like I was making decisions between leaving and healing up and not really knowing what was next with volleyball and, or, or like giving up a spot in the USA gym. Potentially. Yeah. Like that's what was running through my head. And even knowing like my spot wasn't even secure, even if I had stayed in Italy, like knowing that, but also being like, okay, does this ruin my chances? So that decision was tough, but I'm really glad I made it simply because like health wise and just like what was to come. I don't know. It was it, same thing with like when I got to Louisville, like I knew it was the right decision, but I didn't even know at all what was in store. Yeah. You know, like it ended up being just like so much more than I ever could have thought volleyball wise and outside of volleyball. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, obviously there was something bigger in store. Like, you know how big my faith is to me. And so that was a big part of it. It was just like resting yeah. and trusting that like God had bigger plans. And if I surrendered myself to those plans, it was going to work out some way. And so that, yeah, I kind of just, it, it is really crazy how it kind of has mimicked my time at Louisville or like how I got to Louisville, you know, it all really yeah. has. It's almost like, yeah, like history, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, Agreed. you know, you come back, you heal up and you end up going to the Puerto Rican league. You guys win the championship. And then I saw MVP, but everything's in Spanish. Was that MVP of the tournament or MVP of the league or what were you for that? It was MVP of the finals. Okay, so like I was going to say. Playoffs. But yeah, yeah, I see those posts and I'm like, and I can't yeah. read what it is, but I know it's MVP. So yeah, yeah MVP of the, yeah. the tournament or the, of, the, of that playoff when you guys win the championship. And at some yeah. point in there, you rope-a-doped all of us. You got married. Did you get married right after Puerto Rico or right before? When did you sneak that in? Because I went to your second wedding 
but there, I didn't know that there was a first, there was a smaller wedding that happened before. Yeah. When did you sneak that in? And we got, was there a reason for that with like visas or, or mm-hmm. something like that? So we actually got married the week after Anna and Duncan did last year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was literally just our immediate families. Um, and we made that decision because we really wanted him to come with me, come with me to Italy and being married with visa purposes and just like everything, it made so much more sense. Um, we never wanted to get, we, we didn't want to live together until we got married. So that was a big thing. You know, it was kind of all of those things. It just made sense. We were like, might as well. Um, which is kind of hilarious looking back. Cause I never imagined myself being like a spur, of the, not spur of the moment. <laughs> it definitely, a lot of thought went into it, but like, I've also, I've also been the kid that like, I dreamed of my wedding since I was little and like wanted all the things. And so I still wanted that big celebration and I'm glad I got both. I'm really thankful that like it worked out and we got to have all our favorite people there just what a month ago and i was there for that one and a lot of things stick out for that like you said it was the fairy tale wedding i feel like you had like eight different dresses that you were in i was trying to keep track of all of them um and trent your dad gave like a 40 minute speech that was like awesome i mean i literally i have notes on my phone of like one-liners he had they were so good and the one that stuck out too though is he described in describing you he said tori has the innate ability or whatever, however you want to call it, of growing better and not growing bitter, which was like, oh, I love that because it's just like the hard things that you go through. Sometimes we do have a tendency to get bitter from those. And like you said, again, Louisville and the USA and all that, like just growing better Mm -hmm. and not growing bitter with what life throws at you. So I took that away, but you had a whole life. I I had 40 minutes listening to your dad talking about that. And I'm sure, you know, he coaches now and he's, you know, Mm. had three daughters that have gone through college volleyball and all that. What's one thing like that for you that sticks out from your dad of just like, oh, I love that advice that he gave me or that this is one thing that I really, really sticks with me. I'm sure there's tons of them. Cause again, in that 40 minutes, I was like, I'm literally taking notes, but what's the one that sticks out for you? Um, I would say the one that I think encompasses a lot of it is control what you can control. Mm-hmm. And I think that then leads into like not getting better, like get better, get better. You know, or, Gosh, sorry. Get better, not get better. Yeah. And because if I'm, you know, if I can control what I can, like part of that is really reframing it in my mind of like, okay, something might've happened to me, but like the bigger deal here now is how I react to it. hundred percent. And yeah. And I think just knowing that like there is a lot I can control emotionally, like I really do have power over that. And then that plays into it. It won't control like the outcome or the other things, but it will really have a strong impact on it, you know, Yeah. And or it can. And so I think that really was or is kind of like a guiding principle um, and just even reminding myself, like when I, it's so easy for me to be aware of when I'm getting caught up in the things that I can't control, yeah. you know? And like, I'm telling myself, I'm like, you don't need to, like, this is not something you should get caught up in. Like, there's a lot of that here in the USA gym. There's so much going on. There's rosters being announced. There's this, there's that, there's people you're competing with, but then they're also your friends, you know? And yeah. like, you, you can't control any of it yeah. other than how I show up every day in the gym. If I'm actually focused, if I'm giving a hundred percent of everything I have that day into it. And so I think that really is probably the all encompassing like best advice. I think that's great because that's the core of if you, if you have any little ism, the core of it is Mm -hmm. you are in complete control of your reaction. You're in complete control of how you approach 
your reaction yeah. to whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But in how you describe that, like I know your faith is huge for you, but just for maybe younger players that are listening, again, that is so important. If we can control what we can control, we're, we're in control of yeah. our reaction to things and how, you know, our mindset. But what are some things that you have or just um, rhythms or just routines that you have yeah. to like put yourself in a good mindset for that? Because I think what you described with the USA gym is, is huge because you have your mm-hmm. best friends or your great friends that are out mm-hmm. there but you're also all competing for that same roster spot that has huge mm-hmm. implications for your pro career and for your life mm-hmm. and all of that. So it's like, that is really hard. So what do you do to put yourself in a good mindset to just kind of try to, you can't block that out. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist, but how do you control yeah. your mindset of like, all right, so that each day I'm approaching this day with the mindset I need to be the best version of myself. Yeah. It, I think it's actually changed a little bit over time. I think in college it was very like, well, it always starts with gratitude. I'll start with that, though. It really does start with, like, I'm so grateful to be here and to be doing, like, my career is the thing that I love. And just getting back, like, my husband and I talk about this a lot. Like, we're both getting to do things we love really early on in life, and that is so rare. And so anytime I'm, like, getting into that space of, like, oh, this isn't fair or any of that kind of stuff, like, get back to just, like, being thankful that this is something that I get to do. And it is so fun still like, and just being thankful that like I, the love for this game has survived a lot of crap. You know, a lot of people like it doesn't survive some stuff for them and their careers end earlier because they just, they're burnt out. And so I try to come back to that. And then I was talking about this today with a teammate and she brought it up. She's like, you have to realize this is your job. Like now, like, yeah, in college, it's your job. You treat it like a job. It's it, the hours are a full-time job. This truly is your job. And at some point you got to leave it at work. Yeah. And so I think that's a big thing here. And we actually had a, we had a team discussion about that this week is like routines coming into the gym to prepare yourself to be your best. And then a routine of getting out of it and being able to be a person outside of volleyball, you know? And I feel like I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing, but sometimes when I don't have enough, like right now life is, it's all about being here right now. Like there's really not much else going on in my life. And so to turn that switch off each day is really tough because I go home and I'm like, well, there's an hour of film I could go watch right now that I could analyze, or then I could think about it. I could sit my thoughts. I could think about every decision I made today and on the court. And so I think when it comes down to it, it's like finding that balance, like something I can control is how I balance it. Yeah. Do I balance the film? Well, just really quickly, I love that routine going into the gym, routine going yeah. out of the gym. And just if you can just almost the cliff notes of what that is for you, I'm really curious what you've just kind of honed in on of like just each of yeah. those, just really a 10,000 foot view of what that is for you. Yeah, really the morning view going into the gym is like having really solid breakfast is something that I've really like honed in on for physical purposes and then also just part of a routine. And then as I'm doing that, I'm either listening to like a morning meditation or worship music while I'm doing my quiet time. And that's a big thing is like centering my mind on the Lord for the day is really what like sets the tone. If I miss that time of my day, I'm grumpy. I'm not as patient, like all those things. And, and it's just then another piece of routine, you know, it keeps that consistency. And then once I get to the gym, I really like, I'm intentional about connecting, like saying good morning to my teammates or to the staff around me, like really being like, Hey, like getting excited about the day um, and that I get to be there. And then it's, you know, into stretching, rolling out those kind of things. But it's really those just like little, it looks, it might look a little bit different day to day, but those are the main pieces like breakfast plus quiet time and a, some kind of morning meditation or 
focus and then um yeah get there and like be excited to like be there and be with other people like as teammates as coaches as staff you know like get excited about being around those people um and i'm honestly like i'll be fully honest i'm really struggling with the wind down routine then um i feel like i don't have a like i'm not consistent in it yet and i'm trying to find out like what really works well uh, how about this is an easier one we use this with recruiting sometimes we're like what don't you want that kind of helps find out what you do want Mm -hmm. with recruiting it's like what doesn't work in your routine then what have you tried that you're like oh this doesn't work for me oh just like talking about how practice went immediately good or bad like just like spilling you know like driving home with teammates because we're all around each other here and if i just immediately dive back into what happened that day it's gonna carry on not good and uh, yeah so kind of just like having lunch, talking about something else. That's kind of where it's where I'm think I'm starting to go towards. Um, but I would like to be better about like, maybe it's journaling or writing down a couple of things. And maybe it's like what I did good today and what I want to focus on tomorrow and then be done with it. Yeah. And then when I have my film time later, deal with it then. Um, but yeah, I guess the don't, the what doesn't work is just like diving into it immediately and letting it just like, cause then it's all emotion. It's not logical. It's all just like emotion based. And I just don't learn from that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like you said, with it being a job, that is, uh, that is tough. But I tell you with coaching, with being an assistant coach, it's the same type of thing where it's just like, you can go home and watch film and you can do all that. And it's like to truly be present, you know, for me, you're separated from your husband right now. He's, is he across Mm -hmm. the country right now? Where is he right now? Yeah, he's in Northern Kentucky working. My yeah. God, you guys could, I mean, you guys are almost halfway across the country. You know, I come home to yeah. my family and me and my wife and kids, but mm-hmm. it's still like, oh, to truly be present with them is still, you know, a challenge sometimes when you have a big match mm-hmm. coming up or you could be doing more film or sure. whatever it might be. So that, that exit routine is really intriguing to me, even where I'm at, you know, yeah. 38, however many years old I am, I still probably can yeah. get <laughs> with that too. Thanks for listening to Out of Rotation with your host, Dan Meske. Presented by the American Volleyball Network. Until next time, come on, don't give them any free points. Always stay in rotation.